The definition of insanity is doing the same things, but expecting different results. This is the Unlearning Podcast. Hey, 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 it's your homegirl, your host, Brittany Michelle Jackson, and I want to welcome you to the late night edition of the Unlearning Podcast. If this is your first time um, tuning in, I want to welcome you and thank you for taking the time to um, come into the space. And if you are a faithful listener, I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart as well. I'm doing this for us, um, but in obedience to God. And so I'm just excited that you would join me in this space, um, in this place, um, joining me to develop this community in which we all can learn um, how to be better and to do what God has called us to do. So with that being said, I went back and forth as to whether or not I would do um, an episode um, going into the holidays. But because I do like to be consistent, I decided, hey, it's better late than never. Full disclaimer, I am at home because it's too late to be out in these streets. Okay, so I have no idea at what point my husband or one of my kids might pop out of their rooms to interrupt me to ask me for something or peanut our fluffy guinea pig may start yelping because he's greedy so hey disclaimer i'm at home i'm inviting you in my space you are welcome (laughs) so in the spirit of unlearning tonight we are going to talk about control okay So if you are familiar with me at all, you know that anytime I introduce our, our, our topic of the moment, right? Um, My mind is already starting to journey and journey and I am exploring this subject from different aspects, from different perspectives. And so I'm going to do my best to, of course, stay on track. Um, It is late. I have not had any coffee. And so I am going to try not to fumble over my words, but give me grace. Thank you in advance for giving me grace. Um, So let me just go ahead and jump in. Earlier this week, I was writing in my journal um, because I had a lot of things on my mind, a lot of things that, you know, I was just uncertain about. And so I wrote way more than I typically do um, in a in a journal entry. And so as I closed my journal and I began to lay down to rest, you know, I kind of chuckled and I said, you know what, God, I am so glad that you are able to make sense of my thoughts you're able to understand my concerns and and even my confusion, even when I can't make sense for my own self. Um, You know me and you still stick to me. And so that was kind of like my prayer of gratitude to him in that moment, because it's like, Lord, I don't even make any sense right now. But somehow you get me. And I'm grateful for that, because if it was up to me, I would have gave up on me a long time ago. So in saying that, I'm grateful that God loves me in spite of me. I'm grateful that, you know, he understands what I'm trying to articulate, even when I can't find the words. Nevertheless, I still struggle in my relationship with him. Um, And tonight, my area that, again, I'm going to talk about is control. I struggle with releasing control to God sometimes. Now, to be clear, 
I know that God is God. I know he's omnipotent. He's all powerful. I know he's omniscient. He's all knowing. I know he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. Yet for some reason, when I'm faced with unfavorable circumstances, my need for resolution intensifies. In other words, my default reaction is to move swiftly into action. Because I don't know what the outcome is going to be. And I have my own thoughts, right, of how things should be. Um, It's hard for me at times to wait on the Lord when the reality I see and my desires don't align. Trust. I wish I could say otherwise, but it's the truth. I know that I can't be the only person that struggles with this from time to time. But naturally, I can only speak from my own experience and my choices, right? So as I was writing and reflecting and just seeking God, he highlighted to me, you know, that my need for having control over situations that only he can handle shows that I lack patience with him. I lack patience with him and that causes my my faith to waver based on what I see or don't see. And it really just boils down to a lack of trust. I don't trust him. And that sounds pretty harsh, huh? Well, it's the truth. And sometimes, you know, I've been told that, you know, I can be a straight shooter. And I just, I feel like, hey, why not just be honest? Why not be transparent? Because if we don't, you know, acknowledge things, we cannot fix them. So here we are in this space of me lacking patience. Um, My faith is wavering and I'm not trusting God in the way that I should, yet I still want him to move on my behalf. Very silly, very, very silly. Um, so again, on on one hand, I want to be able to say, God, I fully trust you. Like, I know that you're going to show up for me. But at the present time, I can't really refute <laughs> that I've developed a habit of playing superwoman. And he's saying, Brittany, it's time for you to hang up your cape because you can't handle it. It's evident you cannot handle it. So move out of the way. So in my time of uncertainty or even, you know, in my times of joy, just, you know, in my life, you know, God sometimes will just allow songs to pop up in my spirit. And so especially earlier in this week, when I was dealing with some uncertainty of what my next move would be, he allowed a Marvin Sapp song to pop in my head and um, you know the chorus just kind of starts off by saying it's not the time not the place just believe keep the faith gotta learn how to wait wait on the Lord I love a good old school gospel song but I want to park right there for a moment gotta learn how to wait wait on the Lord waiting on the Lord can be hard sometimes when you feel like he's not moving (laughs) you know, quick enough, let alone at all, right? We are in a microwave society. We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it. And in our wanting, sometimes, oftentimes, we don't have the clearest perspective of what is going, you know, what that want is going to bring us, except the temporal joy we feel that we're going to have when we get what we want. Hope that makes sense. 
Um, for example, it could be a job that is going to pay us the highest salary we've ever received. However, the trade-off or the cost, because there is one, right, might be that you're working 60 to 80 hours per week, that your marriage may go down a drain because now you're married to your job instead of to your spouse. It could look like, you know, your kids growing up without you really being present because you're consumed, right? been there um it could be (laughs) it could be you know desiring a romantic relationship that you desire to have with someone but unbeknownst to you they have a whole family or it could be on the other side maybe you know there's a, a underlying pattern of emotional and physical abuse but you're so smitten right by the desire of having this relationship with this person that you're not paying attention to the red flags. I can't say I've been there, but I, you know, I just wanted to give you a couple examples and I feel like there's so many more that you can probably think of, but I'm sure I've made it pretty clear. I'm sure you get the picture. So, you know, typically in our own ability or unwillingness to be patient, you know, to wait on the Lord, we don't experience his best for us. Um, and I'm not sure if you've seen this graphic of a little child holding onto a little stuffed teddy bear, but I love this graphic. He's holding this little teddy bear um, and he's crying because Jesus is asking for him to release the bear to him. And the child is saying, you know, but I want it. But Jesus is holding a much larger um, teddy bear, stuffed teddy bear behind his back. And little does this child know that he has so much better for him. And that's what I like in um, our experiences and our, you know, unwillingness or inability to release control to God. Because we kind of sometimes don't think he's going to give us the best. So great people. When we aren't patient, when we don't know how to wait on God to move on our behalf in his perfect timing, we delay and sometimes forfeit blessings. When we jump ahead and take matters into our own hands because we feel like God isn't listening or he's not responding fast enough, we're saying to him through the lack of our patience that I don't trust that you can provide a better outcome. So I think I'll take it from here only to be disappointed and angry later. I'm able to recognize that the hardest part, you know, of me actively displaying my trust in God, um, in my waiting is learning how to operate with patience. I have to learn how to settle into the quietness. In my seek um, of God, I've been preparing to study the fruits of the spirit And I thought that I would start in the order um, that they were introduced in the Bible. But I believe that God wanted me to begin with patience because I really don't have a lot. Um, But really, all of the fruits tie back into one another so beautifully. So I'm going to get to all of them eventually. Um, But I also want to mention that one way that I've struggled in my relationship with God um, is my you know, in my ability to recognize or my inability rather to recognize um, how he speaks to me. And I believe I'm coming to understand that he does speak in more ways than I realize. And so 
in my seek, I was led to first Kings where Elijah ran and hid from Jezebel after God did his great work against the prophets of Baal. And for your reference, that is in first Kings chapter 18. And it's not my main point, but I feel like it's just too good to not share <laughs> while we're in that area. So I do want to give you a little bit of a backstory. The prophet Elijah um, asked the prophets of Baal, you know, how long were they going to go between two opinions, meaning serving God, our God, or serving Baal. And so they began to debate about, you know, which God was real. And so Elijah issued a challenge, if you will, for them to both call on their own God. Like, I'm going to call on my God, you call on your God, and we're going to see, you know, who's real. We're going to we're going to see what's what. And so if you're familiar with this text, you'll know that um, there were 450 prophets of Baal. And so what they did was, um, you know, they first started to sacrifice animals and they were calling on Baal all day, all night um, to no avail. They were cutting themselves, you know, you know, spilling their blood all over the altar. It was just a hot mess. Um, but nothing was happening for them. And so Elijah with his little cocky self, you know, began to mock them saying things like, Oh, you know, maybe he's preoccupied. Maybe he's asleep. He was cutting up bad y'all. Um, but you know, nightfall came the time to, you know, for him to call upon the, the name of the Lord. And so he rebuilt, he repaired the altar that Jezebel had ordered to be destroyed. And so, um, once he did that and he named it, he, you know, named it Israel. Um, he used 12, um, stones to represent the, the tribes, the 12 tribes. And he asked for them to basically, um, just drench the altar with water like drench it so it was just water all over the altar all around the water you know all around the altar and so he began to call on the name of the Lord you know God hear my hear my prayer hear my cry and the Lord allowed fire to rain down from heaven and not only did it lick up the 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 water but you know the the altar was on fire he consumed the water and he was burning and everyone fell down like, you know, you know, the Lord is God. The Lord is God. Right. And so as the Lord instructed Elijah, you know, they took all 450 prophets of Baal and he killed them. OK. All right. Great people. So I've given you the backstory of what's happening in this time with Elijah. And so now we're coming to um, the point of me sharing this this text with you. I'm going to go ahead and read um, 1 Kings chapter 19, and I'm going to read it in the Amplified version because that is my favorite translation. Um, and it says, um, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me. And more also, if I do not make your life as one of them by tomorrow this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. And he went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4, 
But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came down and sat under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, Lord, take my life for I am no better than my father's. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Then he looked and he sat there, excuse me, then he looked and there by his head was a cake baked on coals and a jar of water. So we ate and drank and lay down again. Verse seven, and the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for you. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of the Lord of that food 40 days and 40 nights as far as Horeb, the mountain of God. Verse nine, and there he went into a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10. So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. Verse 11. Then he, the Lord, said, go out. And stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Verse 12. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still small voice. So it was when I, when Elijah heard it, that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the entrance of the cave. Suddenly a voice came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 14. And he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. So I just want to back up really quickly here. So the Lord is, you know, asking him, he, he found him, met him in this cave um, on the mountain of the Lord in Horeb. And he sent a strong wind, broke the rocks, but he wasn't in that. He, he wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire, but he was in a still small voice. Okay. And it was that when Elijah heard it, that's when he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave to hear, you know, again, what the Lord was saying. Okay. What amazes me, though, is that Elijah had enough trust in God that he would show up and provide in front of these 450 plus men. But he allowed the threat of one voice sent by a messenger to waver, <laughs> to cause him to waver in his faith, um, to cause him to run and flee in fear for his life. So much so that 
He didn't beg for God to do with Jezebel in the manner that he did with the prophets of Baal, but he begged God twice to take his life because he said, hey, it's only me. I'm by myself and I did all this stuff for you, but, you know, it's too much for me. Take me out of here. So he exchanged patience and trust for doubt and fear. He also looked for God to respond in a big, grand, elaborate way like he previously did when he allowed the fire to rain down. And we know, again, God can do anything. He, I believe in that moment, he was showing him with the strong wind that broke the mountains, with the earthquake and with the fire. Yes, he can do all of that, but it's really in his still small voice. Um, And so we like Elijah did in that moment. And I, if I'm just only speaking for me, sometimes I tend to discount and overlook the little things, the subtle messages that are often more impactful than what is more easily noticeable. And the Lord revealed to me, you know, in me recognizing that is that subtle communication comes with intimacy. I love that. Um, It's like a spouse, you know, two spouses who have an unspoken language, a knowing of what the other person needs without to have, you know, without them having to say it, without them having to vocalize it. We, we move, we were in sync, right? Um, we're in alignment or like a parent who knows that their child is hungry or sleepy based on their patterns. Like there's history there. I know you intimately. I know you well enough to know what you need or or, you know, what you don't need, what's bothering you. Um, and so this is the place that we have to get to in our relationship with God. You know, I wish I could reference this blog that I read earlier in the week, but I don't really remember the site. However, the person who wrote the article um, was speaking on listening for God's voice. And they stated something along the lines of this. It will be hard to listen to God if you don't learn how to hear him and that was powerful to me because it's not that he isn't speaking to me or that he's ignoring me it's simply because I've conditioned myself to only expect him to speak in certain ways methods and channels in which he may not be using to communicate with me you know for me personally I you know I think of the things that he's done in the Bible and the way that he's communicated in the ways you know that I hear you know, other people say that this is, you know, what God said to me, or this is how he speaks to me. And so for me, I'm listening for law, you know, loud, audible voices. I'm looking for day visions and other, you know, tangible ways. But for me to sit and be still, that is hard for me because I am constantly on the move. And so after five or 10 minutes of me sitting here like, Lord, I, I don't sat here and I don't hear nothing. So I guess it's time for me, you know, to take matters into my own hand and, you know, but journeying through, you know, through the word and being um, willing to recognize that I'm the reason why I don't hear God the way I desire to is because I've inadvertently underestimated the power of stillness the unspoken communication that he wants to exchange with me it requires me to have patience and faith it requires me to trust it requires me 
to lose control and allow him to lead me. It requires me to be content with his answers or his instruction, knowing that it may not produce what I want, which is actually a good thing. It requires me to recognize that even though I may not get the results I think I want, based on my own limited perspective, it is going to save me a whole lot more headache and heartache down the line. What you think about that? So let's go back to the Bible. James 1, 4, um, the new King James version says, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So if I take a step back, remove my cape, sit down somewhere and let the Lord speak. Listen, you know, listen, what's happening in the atmosphere? What am I hearing? Am I hearing a soft wind? Am I hearing a melody? Am I hearing a scripture that's ringing out in my ears? What do I hear? Recognize what I'm hearing in the atmosphere. And then it will allow me to tune in and listen to what the Lord is saying. Let patience have its perfect work so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Proverbs 14 and 16 says, the wise are cautious and avoid danger. Fools plunge ahead with reckless confidence. When we take matters into our own hands, when we have the need to control it all, to have the answer for everything, to not know how to wait on the Lord, we plunge ahead with reckless confidence. Even though we know, we don't always know what we're doing. So we want to be wise and cautious and avoid danger by waiting on the Lord. Ephesians 5 and 17 says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. How else can we do that if we don't sit and wait patiently for his instruction? Proverbs 3 and 5 in verse 6 says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lead not to thy own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. But he cannot direct our paths if we don't know how to wait, if we are not patient, if we do not put our trust and our hope and our faith in him. Because the Bible also says, and I think it's Hebrews 11 and 6, I'm going off the off the dome. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If I don't have faith, that you can do it or that you're going to answer. It means I don't trust you. It means I'm leaning to my own understanding. So no matter what you can be doing or presenting before me, I'm blocking it because in my mind, I have to figure it out on my own. And you never said that that's true for me. All you said was I had to trust in you and follow your lead. So in closing, you know, as I reflect on what the Lord has highlighted to me, um, I need to let go. And of course, he dropped another song on my spirit because I love the Lord. I love him. Um, but he reminded me of, you know, the song by Dwayne Woods, Let Go, Let God. Soon as I stop worrying, 
Worrying how the story ends When I let go and I let God Let God have his way That's when things start happening When I stop looking at back then When I let go and I let God Let God have his way That's all he wants us to do He wants us to let go and to let him have his way so father in the name of jesus lord i just thank you oh god for this time for this opportunity lord to recognize that we need to lose control we need to relinquish control and hand it back into your hands in its proper place you see all you know all and you are more than able to handle whatever situation we face so father we repent i repent oh god i'm forgetting in the way i um i repent for for allowing my feet to rush the evil and i say evil because it's contrary to what you've called me to do help me to learn how to wait help me to um, learn how to sit and be still and to listen um, to hear what you're doing in the atmosphere so I can listen and understand what it is that you're saying help us oh God um, to 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 put our hope and our trust in you help us oh God that our our faith doesn't waver help us oh God to be confident oh God that you have what's best for us help us to stand firm on your word because without faith it is impossible to please you, O oh God. And we want to please you, O oh God. We want to be in your good and perfect will. So, Father, um, we thank you right now for bringing it to our attention. We thank you, O oh God, for an opportunity to get in alignment with you, to get in right standing with you, O oh God. We trust, O oh Lord, that you will withhold no good thing from us. And so, Father, we wait patiently on you. And we believe, O oh God, that we will see your goodness in the land of the living. In your son Jesus name, we do pray. Amen. I love you all. Until next time, we're going to get into something new next week. God bless you and have a wonderful Thanksgiving.